Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I, this is the 81st time? This is the 81st episode today, yeah. So last week was our 80th episode. I don't even think I remember to mention it. Um, but today, uh, we hit 3,000 playthroughs on our episodes. That means you guys have listened a total of 3,000 times to all of our episodes, which is just incredible, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, listening and um, in celebration. We bought breakfast this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we uh, get into the topic here, I do want to encourage everybody to reach out to us through email. That is the best way to get a hold of us. Our email address is breakfasttheology at gmail.com. And we've uh, had some correspondence with some people. Um, my uncle Dan and, and Joe from Illinois. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from them. Uh, we've heard from a few others as well. But we really... Uh, We're getting lonely. <laughs> it encourages us, uh, for sure, um, to keep going and uh, to put the work in and doing this every other week. And so we just really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. And we really encourage you guys to share this with people who you think might benefit um, it's not the most theologically dense podcast that there is out there. No. But the good thing about it is that it's casual. It's easy to listen to. Um, and you don't need a lot of background knowledge. Easy to disagree with. It is easy to disagree with, too, I suppose. Um, Isaac is not here with us today. He's at a Christian Worker Seminar in Tennessee this week. And uh, so it's just the OG2, me and Chuck here. Uh, today I did something that I've been wanting to do since we started. I Tell got your mom not to listen. <laughs> yeah, mom, if you're if you're uh, listening to this episode, I apologize for my breakfast choice, but I got a milkshake for breakfast with a side of hash browns. It was awesome. <laughs> it was delicious. I got an Oreo milkshake. Um, and honestly, one of the best parts was the whipped cream at the end that you just get to suck up. Honestly, it feels socially acceptable. I might just order a cup of whipped cream. And I, yeah, like I said, it's out of sight hash browns. Well, I had a cheeseburger omelet. <laughs> I told him that I was a little suspicious. Well, it was, was good. It was good. It had dill pickles in it. <laughs> that kind of weird combo for an omelet. Yeah. With a side of toast. So overall, on a scale of one to five, where would you place the uh, cheeseburger omelet? One. Really? I thought you were going to at least it, give it a three. It's on the scale. It's on the scale. So it's not a zero. not my favorite. Well, there you go. Next time you come to IHOP. You're an informed customer at this point. I mean, if you listen to Breakfast Theology, you've listened to us talk about every menu item. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about uh, happiness. We sh- you should have called Isaac to see what he had for breakfast. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, that would make me happy. <laughs> Um, and that's what we're talking about today is happiness. Happiness. Um, which is uh, an interesting word. 
we all have experienced happiness, or at least I hope at some point in your life you've been happy for at least a brief moment. But it is kind of a strange, uh, it's a strange feeling to nail down because it's usually pretty circumstantial. You know, it's based on what's going on in your life, how you woke up feeling that day, you know, news that you've heard or things that you've received or along those lines. And scripture does mention it, but kind of in a roundabout way. It usually uses words more like joy and blessed and rejoicing and um, exulting and those kinds of things. But happiness is not a word that really pops up all too often. In the Bible, no. Yeah. Sometimes people are convinced that if they become Christians, then their life will be happy. Mm. And that's just not the case. I mean, Jesus told us hard times. Carrying your cross doesn't seem like a happy retreat. But we do have gatherings and retreats and conferences and stuff that make us happy because of the people that are there and our involvement in it. And happiness, I think, can become too much of a, like a drug. Yeah, I... I, You get addicted to the happiness thing, and that's just not... it, It can distract you. I think there's three components, at least. Pleasure, convenience, and comfort. You know, those are the three draws of happiness. or I'm sure there's more that we could put in that category, but those three certainly are things that make us happy, traditionally. You know, Say them again. Pleasure, convenience, and comfort. But yeah, I like those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are uh, creatures of comfort. You know, we built washing machines so we don't have to wash by hand so that it's more convenient and we're more comfortable while we do. We built tractors so we don't have to pull heavy tools through the ground to, you know, till the soil. You know, we we are constantly advancing towards less and less work so that it's more convenient, it's more pleasurable, it's more comfortable. I, I, I think the ideal uh, is for us to not have to do any labor. We could just... I think this is what some people search for, is yeah. to just do the things that make us happy, that we enjoy doing. Wait till they invent a phone you don't have to jump up and go run to to answer it. Mm. Hmm. Man, wouldn't it be novel if you could just put your phone in your pocket, take it with you wherever you went? Take a picture of whatever you're looking at and send yeah. it to somebody? Yeah. Do your banking. <laughs> so where are you at here? I'm in John chapter 13. Okay. Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And at the end, uh, verse 12, it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Yeah, you washed our feet. (laughs) You call me teacher and Lord, Mm. and you say, well, for so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and, and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them or happy. What verse uh, said blessed? 17. John 13, 17? Yeah. I'm interested here what Greek word it uses. Because there are a few different ones. Yeah, it uses uh, makarios, which is uh, is the Greek word for happy. Um, but often gets translated blessed, which um, when the New King or when King James translated in English, blessed meant happy. You know, had more of that connotation. In modern day today, it's more of a spiritual term um, that involves you know favor from God. And we had an episode on that actually. Yeah. Um, so you can go and check that out. Uh, but yeah, Makarios is the. Uh, is the Greek word for happy. And there are a couple other ones, like kara, which is joy. And um, the other one that's sometimes translated blessed as well and can kind of get confused is uh, eulogia, which is a good word, very similar to eulogy. But it's uh, like speaking favor on someone or, you know, like calling a blessing down on them. So it's like, bless are you, like a good word, like, I'm speaking a good word on your behalf. Kara is more the joy, and Makarios is more the actual happiness, which is interesting that Jesus says, if you do these things, you're going to be happy. Which usually we were just saying, not doing things is what we think makes us happy. Getting out of work, you know, getting out of responsibility, taking a break, getting a vacation, you know. Yep. Well, watching my sister get ready for her trip to Europe, I don't think she was happy. <laughs> Stressed out a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think going on vacation is more work than not taking one. I can remember getting ready for vacation in California and having to record two videos, sermons, mm. on a Saturday night so that... I couldn't find anybody to take over for me, so I had to do mm -hmm. it myself. Yeah. That's the same thing with teachers. You know, like Amber has to take a vacation or call in sick, and she has to make subplants. I'm like, what kind of deal is that where you got to still do work when you're sick or going on vacation? It doesn't seem right to me, but it is the way it is. Um, yeah, I think uh, the world which we've said this kind of things before. The world defines happiness by feeling. External circumstances. Yeah, what makes you feel good. Which um, 
then puts your happiness and joy in the hands of, like you said, your circumstances of other people, really, and uncontrollable events. Yep. Which uh, is why I think we see such brokenness or even mis-expectation in Christianity when people, um, like you said, expect to be happy. They expect to feel good all the time and it doesn't happen and they think there's something wrong. Um, what we see time and time again is that what we just saw here is that uh, it's the belief in following commandments. It's the faith. It's the knowledge of God's promises that ultimately sustains our happiness long term through circumstances. It's the, it's the it's the rails that keep it's the rail that keeps us on the happiness train, so to speak. You know. Yeah. So, what I gather from John chapter thirteen, verse seventeen is Jesus would rather have you obedient than happy. Mm -hmm. Obedience comes before happiness. So people would say to me, My, I'm just not happy being a Christian. And I would ask them, well, what have you been doing? Mm. And the answer is right there. Yeah. So here's a, an interesting verse that uses makarios, again, this word for happy. So in 1 Timothy 1, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and verse 8 he says we know that the law is good if the one uses it if one uses it properly he said we also know that the law is made not for the righteous but for the lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful the unholy the irreligious for those who kill their fathers or mothers murderers for sexual immoral for the sexual immoral for those practicing homosexuality for slave traders and liars and uh, perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me and that's the interesting part right there he ends his statement by saying this good news concerning the glory of the happy God the God that is happy which is interesting that this word for happy is also used in talking about who God is. Because there's obviously a lot of sin and brokenness in the world, but there's also something out there that brings God glory, that makes him happy, that brings him pleasure, if you want to say that. That it also reminds us that God is not just this sad, broken, mean, mean, or dictator kind of guy, but he's, he is joyful. You know, he is happy. And the good news that he's sharing with us is part of him sharing who he is, you know, and his plans and his, his drive for joy in the world, and fixing things and making things good. You know? Well, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure mm -hmm. to give you the kingdom. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, he's that, looking forward to it. And if he wants something, if he has a plan to do something, it's going to get there. There is no power that can thwart God's plans, you know? There's, there's nothing that's going to stop him from reaching his goal. That's one of Le, uh, Elaine Roselle's favorite words, thwart. Thwart. I, the more I say it, the less I like it. It's just the, I think it's the W, the thwart. Something unsavory about the sound. I do think that sometimes, though, we look at verses about happiness. Uh, there are a lot of ones in Psalms, especially, where it talks about being joy and or being joyful and rejoicing and being happy. And sometimes uh, they're taken out of context by people who are skewing the promises of God, uh, which ultimately is just the prosperity gospel, which is a big problem around the world everywhere, which is the seeking of pleasure, convenience, and comfort within the confines of faith, and that if you're doing things properly, that's what's going to happen. And so there's verses like Psalm 97, 12, which say, be joyful or be happy in the Lord, or um, you righteous ones, be happy. That's usually how it starts out in some translations. Like, all of you who believe are going to be happy. But then it goes on to say, In the Lord, be happy in the Lord, and praise the mention of his holy name. So there's like this defining caveat. It's like, I want all you righteous ones, all you believers to be happy with the asterisk, in the Lord, praising his holy name. You know, it's this... You can't leave out the other parts of all of this. No. If you just take one part of it, you, you, you're essentially just saying what the world says, except that you're branding it under something that, that you're spiritual. misrepresenting. Yeah. yeah. There's also uh, Makarios, which is interesting, is uh, the word blessed in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. All the blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are peacemakers, you know. All of those blessed are actually Makarios, too, which is happy. Which we, we looked at uh, in our Have a Blessed Day episode a few weeks ago with Christians Say What. But once again, this just goes straight in the face of uh, commonly defined happiness in the world. So happy which is totally fair to translate it that way. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the gentle. Happy are those who Happy hunger. Happy are those who mourn. Yep. Ex- totally, like, what is even being said there? You know, like it... The antithesis. Yeah. It, it seems like that's totally not even possible. But and then hunger and thirst. The merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. You know, he goes on to say, those who are happy are the ones who are pressed down. Yeah. God takes the... uh, I was reading in Corinthians today. I think it's chapter 2 where... Yeah, so it's 1 Corinthians. Read 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty... 
not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring it to nothing the things that are. Mm -hmm. That no flesh should glory in his presence. And it goes on to say that the reason for all this is so that God gets the glory. It's by using these unfamiliar ways of going about things, the things that don't make sense to the world, that God really proves himself. And the part that I was also thinking about is just a few verses earlier in chapter or chapter 1, verse 22. The Jews demand signs and the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. It's just like, it's like, doesn't make sense. Like, how does mourning and happiness go together? How does thirsting and hunger for righteousness bring joy and peace? And that's really the beauty of, um, it's really the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of faith is that our happiness and our joy, our contentment, not content, not uh, content, as in uh, anger towards one another, but content. Um, our contentness is not based on the circumstances, but based on obedience and faith, and allows us to be in prison cells and beaten and carrying crosses and fellowshipping with people all with while remaining in a state of joy because it's a choice happiness is actually a faith-based choice and a result of faith not a circumstance of the things around you you ever seen the ocean in a hurricane i've never looked no i've never been in that but i can imagine okay imagine the deep ocean Mm -hmm. and you're below the surface the further down you go, the calmer the waters. Mm-hmm. And the deeper in God you go, the calmer things are, mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on up above. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true with us. The deeper you are in God, the calmer you can be. Mm-hmm. And the getting deep in God is the thing that brings you happiness. Yeah. Be happy in the Lord. Yeah. So Paul, I think, understood that. Oh, yeah, I think he certainly did. Because he says in Romans 5, not only that, verse 3, but we also glory in tribulation. What? Yeah. because our tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Mm -hmm. Now hope does not disappoint us. You're not hoping in something that's impossible. Mm -hmm. You're not hoping in something that is 
just a wild fantasy, our hope in God will not disappoint us. Mm-hmm. Hope is perhaps the most uh, obvious and powerful tool to the outside world of the transformation within us. As First Peter says, when someone questions you about the hope that was within you, be ready to give them an answer because there is a certain amount of peace and joy and happiness that comes from knowing the result of things when you know that you're going to be resurrected and those who've died in faith are going to come back to life and there's going to be all these things made right in the world we're not going to live forever in this current present age yep the evil age yeah what? You guys need more coffee or anything? I think well, I'm, I don't need any more. We're fine. Okay. Yeah, thanks. If you want temporary happiness, seek your daily pleasure. If you want sustainable happiness, live obediently and live in faith. Seek the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and all those other things will be added to you. And as we saw... Just as a clarifying point, uh, it is not bad to feel negative emotion. It's not like if you're sad or depressed or mourning. That's not an indication that you're outside of faith. It's not an indication that life is messed up for you uh, as far as your relationship with God goes. Because you can be mourning and still be blessed. You can still be happy within the morning. You can still see the goodness of God through pain. So you don't feel like you have to block out those other emotions. You can share those with God. You can be vulnerable. You can you can be honest with how you're feeling while also maintaining the joy. There is another verse that I think... Um, it's interesting to look at. It's, it's in Zephaniah chapter 3. So we're going to look at verse 13 here. Um, and this is talking about the, the remnant of Israel. Uh, but I will leave, verse 12 says, I will leave among you a humble and lowly people, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. So they're going to find their protection in the Lord. And he says, um, Uh, and then in verse 14 it says shout for joy daughter of Zion shout in triumph Israel rejoice in the triumph with all your hearts uh, and he said triumph again with all your hearts daughters of Jerusalem so four different emotions you know four different uh, points of happiness so he says shout for joy Shout in triumph, rejoice and triumph again. Because God is protecting. He's going to pull you through. And then in verse 17, talking about a happy God, it reminded me that this is how God feels about his people and about giving them good things and taking care of them. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love and will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. So four different times also, so this is kind of this poetic mimicry that 
the people rejoice four times, four times being saved by God, and God rejoices four times about saving His people, and how there's that that goodness of God that we see coming through, the happiness of God for bringing His people out of trouble and providing for them, and it may not be in the exact moment like through the Exodus and Babylon and you know these difficult times, but it's the end result, the remnant, the, the people that are saved, the old, the end goal is what makes God happy, and that's what he's trying to get to. Yes, the closing verses of Habakkuk. 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 <laughs> Though the fig tree may not blossom, no fruit, nor fruit beyond the trees, Though the labor of the olive may f fail, and the fields yield no food. Pretty dire situation, it sounds like. Though the flock may be cut off from the foal, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will jump for joy mm -hmm. in the Lord. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on high hills. Even in the bad situation, I'm going to jump for joy. That's a uh, pretty powerful testimony. Yep. And it just reiterates the point again circumstances when you're in faith when you realize the goodness of God and his promises and his salvation that he has saved you that allows you to be joyful and happy despite all of those things so if you're looking like we said for sustainable joy for sustainable happiness something that isn't uh, going to be taken away from you by someone else or a circumstance, that's the way to get it. So if you're looking for health, wealth, and happiness, it doesn't come in the form of earthly possessions, circumstances, or good eating. It comes in obedience, faith, the knowledge of God's promises, and then ultimately the physical side of all those things is going to be taken care of in the kingdom. Not that the God doesn't provide for us now and, and perform miracles and heal us and take care of us now, which he does. But it's only a band-aid on the broken age. The solution is coming later. Nope. I like to say that they've got a God's got a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. And diabetes and hepatitis and whatever itis you may have. <laughs> It's called the resurrection. Yep. Immortality. Yeah. No more wasting away. No more feebleness. Mm -hmm. No more lost memory. No more chaos. Amen, brother. Can't think of a better way to... Uh sign off and to leave everybody with the hope of resurrection yeah I hope that you guys uh, enjoyed listening to this episode and if you are um, if you are familiar with 
this happiness despite trial. We'd really like to hear from you, maybe a personal story of how God has provided for you joy in the midst of, of hard time, hard times. Um, so you can write us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. We'd love to hear yeah. your personal experience with this kind of thing. Please do that. I know that both Chuck and I have walked in joy through difficult times, and still this age has gotten the better of us at other times. We're still flawed, but we see the goodness of God in it all. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Breakfast Theology. We'll catch you next time. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs>